Welcome to the For Columbus Podcast. Sharing inspiring stories of local faith leaders from congregations, parachurch ministries, and the marketplace. With your host, Adam Ward. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome to season three. If you got through the first episode, you got to hear some of the vision and what's happening in For Columbus. And part of the thing that I'm excited about season three is we get to talk to national organizations who have said Columbus is at least part of our priority, our strategic priority, or they've done significant work here in our city. And today I've got Savannah Kimberlin from Barna. Wow. Welcome, Savannah. Hi, Adam. Yeah. Wow. Such enthusiasm. Very excited (laughs) to be to be with you here today. Well, I got to tell you, uh, first of all, and I told you this right before, is that I'm an Enneagram 5, so I'm a data-driven research person, and in my MBA, I got to focus on market research, so I just love what Barna does, and you as the Director of Research Solutions at Barna, I'm so glad that you're going to be able to share with us today. Before we get started and get into some of the other stuff, what is Barna, in case there's leaders out there who don't know what Barna is? Sure. So Barna Group is a Christian for-profit research company. So we do both market and social research. So that means we do like your your classic market research types of stuff in the faith space. And we also study generations and people groups and people movements. Um, uh, that's, that's the social research side of what we do. We've been around for 35 years. We're headquartered in Ventura, California. And our specialization is studying the intersection of faith and culture. So we've Mm. been doing that for 35 years and we publish books um, and produce podcasts and videos and, you know, webinars and the rest um, on our findings. So our, our mission statement is to provide the church with knowledge to navigate a changing world. So we exist to do just that. Wow. Okay, so you've been at Barna now for several years. You have a kind of math background or love math, and you love the church, and you're in software. And now you're in Barna leading the uh, research solutions. So, so tell me, why is data important, and why is this research being done? Mm. Well, we at Barna believe that the best leaders, truthfully, are data-informed leaders, which means that they're the types of leaders who um, absolutely, you know, trust their gut instincts and and trust their past experiences, of course, but they make decisions extending beyond that. They they push themselves to really learn um, what's what's happening in their environments that they're leading within, and they really push themselves to see as clearly as possible when it comes to decision-making. And so data is one way that we can see clearly. And of course we're biased at Barna, but we think that it's probably the best way to see clearly (laughs) and to really understand what's going on around us so that we can make informed strategic decisions in our leadership. So so being a data-informed leader is is very important and using data in our leadership of churches or, or even just any Christian space or any space in general is really important. If we want to, um, if we want to really make an impact and create change. Yeah. I love that. I, John Maxwell said a couple of decades ago, the number one role of a leader is to define reality. 
And mm. so you've kind of, you have to understand what the current state <clears throat> is before you can make your strategic plan to do that. I have a healthcare client right now, actually the, the top healthcare facility in the nation. And I'm working with their labs and their labs, every single lab sample is a data point on where that patient treated, not treated, get better, don't get better. They can't make a decision without that lab data. And you guys at Barna are saying, hey, we're giving you a pulse of what's happening in this area where culture and church intersect. So that's a data point that you as a Christian physician, if you will, can impact society. But I found working with clients that when data comes or research is presented, there's a tendency for people to be in one of two camps. I don't believe that it's true or it's not for me. And oh my gosh, the ship is sinking. We need to do something about it. What is the danger with saying that's not, you know, that's not true or that's not for me? Sure. I, I think that um, really all, all data can help us be better better leaders, more informed leaders. I think a lot of times we want, um, as leaders, we want to be spoon fed solutions or we, we want, uh, it's like only tell me the information that is, um, that is going to immediately lead me to the solution that I need to create or decide. But that's, that's not the journey that really truly data informed leaders take when it comes to being data informed. We have to take this journey with data where, where we consider lots of different inputs and we see things from lots of different angles and think critically about things and think deeply about things in order to reach an end result. So um, I would say for the leaders that are like, no, nah, that's, that's not, you know, that, that's not really relevant to me or that data that you're presenting doesn't seem like it's going to help me in my leadership. It's like, well, let's be patient and let's mm. sit with it and take this journey together, knowing that there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of inputs, you know, and I'm not hoping to not over-exaggerate there, um, that, that we need to consider in order to make an informed decision. So that's, that's really important. And then for the other side of the aisle that you were um, you were referring to, Adam, the people that that just see a sinking ship, um, data interpretation is is really important, and we need to consider the bad news or or those types of trends. We do we need to sit with them and understand that they are teaching us something, and no trend is irreversible. Truthfully, you know, I think with with the kingdom of God on our side, no trend is irreversible. Right. Um, but, but also knowing that there are signs of hope and opportunity always present within data sets. And, and um, you know, if, if you are only seeing the glasses half empty, um, maybe, maybe it's time to reevaluate that. Or if you're only listening to maybe news sources or um, data sources where the glass is always half empty, maybe it's time to reevaluate that. The ship, the ship is, um, sometimes the ship may be sinking, but that doesn't mean that there's no hope or opportunity. Right. So we at Barna really believe that we need to we need to see signs of hope and opportunity in data for sure. And you guys take a scientific approach using statistically significant data. It's not a qualitative thing that we kind of feel it's this way. And I think that's even more important in today's society because we have we could have our neighborhoods where churches are 
ministries are working. We could have our cities or regions, maybe the Midwest or, you know, Columbus, and then we can have our national and international, and that's all impacting. And so when you conduct research, you're, you're using that statistically significant amount of number to say, yeah, we've got a 95% confidence or 90% confidence that this is actually how it is. And uh, so I'm not going to get into the math behind that, but I, I, I say that to say, as leaders, we need to pay attention to the areas that looks like it's statistically significant that there's an, there's an issue there. So one of the things that you've done, you guys at Barna, you've done all kinds of different things. You went um, crazy in the digital space here in the past couple of years. You've got stuff from faith and race to evangelism to Gen Z. Tell us about some of these channels that you've created in this digital arena that have are, are providing this, this statistically significant data to leaders. Yeah. So like I said, we've been around for 35 years. So we have archives and archives and archives of data um, that we have collected and stories that we've told and books that we've written. But in the last couple of years, we have been on this journey really to bring our data storytelling to the next level. And we do that in book form. We call them monographs, but really they're just research reports or, or books where we're telling a story with data and they are thematic in nature. So you're right, Adam, we've got stuff on Gen Z. Um, that, that truly is our top performing mm. sort of topic that we address in our research is the next generation. So, so Gen Z and millennials and then, yeah, evangelism, um, digital church. We talked about that. We've done a lot on pastoral health and well-being and studying um, the state of pastors. We've done that before, but our big project has been um, essentially building our own Netflix sort of subscription, uh. where we we have created a platform called Barna Access, where um, we have where we've dumped all the archives of data, all of research. them, yeah, all of it, and and <laughs> organized it and added some some helpful content and discussion guides and video clips and interviews and guest commentary and the rest. So it's, it's the place to go if you really want to be a data informed leader, because the best thing that we can do is put the information into your hands um, so that you can, you can, you know, learn and grow and think critically and make informed decisions. So that's Barna access is what that's called. And for leaders in Columbus, we have had, we have a partnership with Glue and Glue has a partnership with Barna and we've raised money here locally that you can actually sign up on glueconnect.us, uh, I think slash Columbus and get a free subscription to Barna Access. So we're, we're giving you this gift, uh, leaders to be able to do it. Barna has done all this work. They're a for-profit organization. So of course, money was exchanged in order to get that. But uh, you can check out the show notes to how to get that. If you don't have it and you want it, check that out. You also have an excellent free podcast that you run every week, right? Church Pulse Weekly with, uh, I think you were, you've been on several episodes and David's yeah. been on several episodes. Carrie's always on there. Um, and just an excellent resource. I think every single week looking at some trend in the church. Now, this, this year in 2021, you went deep into four or five cities in the U.S. Mm -hmm. There was some work commissioned to study Dallas, South Florida, Charlotte, or Kansas City, but you also did Columbus. First time ever, right? I mean, we're kind of this flyover That's city. Right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so how did that commissioning start and what were you trying to find out with that? 
Right. So we actually decided that we wanted to do local level research even before the COVID-19 pandemic, which is kind of interesting. It's an interesting little twist. Wow. <laughs> the pandemic had on our plans, <laughs> but um, right. So, so we at Barna, we study national trends um, the most frequently, and we do some international work as well. We do work um, a lot in Europe and we've done a couple of global level studies that really are monsters. They're huge, but um, in, in general, for the most part, we do national level research here in the U S and um, we are, we're trying to do our best to give leaders data that really is going to be transformative and helpful. And one of the ways um, we, we just know that we needed to grow and get better was by narrowing our scope and our focus down to local markets, because um, national trends are immensely valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. immensely valuable. But we also know that there are regional differences based on different cultures within the United States and heritages and things like that. So, um, so we we decided that we wanted to test this, and we did so alongside our partners at Glue, and we picked four cities um, before the pandemic that we decided we wanted to do local level research within, so that we could really. Um, equip leaders to the best of our ability within those local markets to understand their people so they could be more confident in their leadership. Mm. And you hosted a series of webinars this year in Columbus presenting that data. And I have this absolutely incredible infographic in front of me, uh, 11 by 17. It's got all kinds of charts on both sides. It's probably going to overwhelm the average person. Uh, but wh- what I wanted to do, Savannah, is ask you about a couple of these areas that kind of stood out to me. Sure. And I love how you say nationals, one thing, but it's easy for a city to be different. And we at, at Columbus have to contextualize. We have to understand our environment, um, regardless of what's happening in the U.S. and mm-hmm. because of what's happening in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So um, if we could just look at that that infographic, you know, you start off by saying, how are the people in Columbus doing? There's two big areas that I see around anxiety and stress, where we seem to be way above the national average. Mm -hmm. And if you look at our religious stats as a whole, we're usually in the top quartile of kind of believer, you know, or, you know, Bible-based stats, but we are significantly worse than the, than the, the country in those two areas. What is that? I mean, when you see that, when you saw that for the first time, what did that make you think? And what would you encourage leaders to do given that? Right. It really is shocking. Really is shocking. I think to put some numbers around what, what you're referring to Adam. So we asked adults in Columbus, we asked them, Um, if anxiety or being anxious was something that they struggled with, at least on a monthly basis, like, Mm. is this something that pops its head up and you feel it and you notice it? And it's, it's, it's a a semi-regular, you know, at least a semi-regular sort of reality for Uh you. And we see that adults in in Columbus, 61% of adults admit to feeling anxious at least once a month. And when we compare that to national norms, we see that only 55% of adults in the U.S. admit to feeling um, anxious to that same degree. So 61 versus 55, that is a statistically significant difference. Um, if Columbus is statistically above the national norm there. So that's something that needs to catch our eye. And then stress. So we asked if stress is something that they feel. And adults in Columbus, 70% 
admitted to feeling stress at least once a month and 61% of all us adults admitted to feeling stress once at least once a month. So that again is a statistically significant difference. And it's, it's really, um, Yes, it's absolutely something we need to flag in the data and think about critically and and talk about. Something that we observed as we did a bit of deeper analysis Mm. is we saw that especially in the Gen X generation, um, those anxiety levels and those stress levels in particular um, are pretty high. Mm. And, and that's, that's interesting, which may be bumping up those app, those averages. So adults Mm -hmm. who are, you know, think forties and early fifties, they're admitting to feel these things. I think Mm. for stress in particular, um, if we cut the data by generation in Columbus, we see that for millennials, it's 82%, which is quite high. 82% of millennials admit to feeling stressed. That's four out of every five. Yeah, I know. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. And then for Gen X, it's 81%. So Gen X is right on par with millennials. um, But we know, and if anybody else is familiar with research and next gen types of research, you understand that young people um, admit to feeling, you know, uh, mental health struggles more frequently, for sure. I mean, the millennial generation is the most likely generation to admit to experiencing mental health struggles. So for Gen X to be on par with millennials in Columbus for something like stress, that's something for us to notice that there, mm. there's a cohort, an age cohort in your city that's notably struggling. So I'm going to take that And then I did a word cloud of the about a hundred mission statements in of churches in the Columbus area and things that came out were love, Jesus, God, life, and and basically saying, Hey, we, we want to be able to love people, give them a new life in God and, and help them. And so some of the statistics that we have on here around faith. So if as a pastor shepherd of the church, but you're also a shepherd of your community. So you not only are we tasked with taking care of who's in our congregation, but we have our local mission field right around us. And you had a couple of interesting things that only 33% of the unchurched said they had close friends who live near you, uh, near them to know and support them. That is a very low number. One third of the population has someone near them. And then a couple other things is um, the ch- non churchgoers faith support. Uh, church leaders in my city is only 12% and Christians in my city is only 10%. So that's on the emotional support networks. What, what would that suggest to us as faith leaders of both within and without our, our, our formal community? I think what those data points suggest is that in Columbus in particular, the unchurched are lacking emotional support networks um, when we compare them to churchgoers. So when you remove that Christian faith sort of community of being a churchgoer, if you remove that from the equation, then we see that, that people are struggling to have those emotional support networks. Furthermore, they are less inclined to look to the church to offer them that support Mm. that they are lacking. So in Columbus, it, you know, we, ha- we have to take note that very few of the unchurched um, openly admit to feeling safe with, around the church or with church leaders. Like they don't, 
if they were, if they were um, having a really hard season or a hard time, they probably would struggle with turning to a church um, to, to be a place where they could be supported and encouraged and cared for. So something is getting lost in translation here. Whereas uh, it's interesting, a, a way to think about this is for so long throughout history, the church was seen as a sanctuary, right? Mm. A safe place, a right. safe haven. And maybe that's something that we've just, we've lost. And that's something we are no longer really communicating to people um, out that, that the people that are outside of our churches. And um, that is certainly seen in the data in Columbus. There was a, I tuned into a a session you did with Charlotte and a session you did with Dallas Fort Worth. And I, I didn't see the data on Columbus. And so we could be better or worse than this, but two of the things that you were sharing in those cities were, this is what the community was asking for. And this includes the congregation as well as non-congregation. And this is what the church is providing. And there was a uh, incongruity between two major areas uh, on that, which would suggest that uh, even if we had data informed that we're, we're having a tendency to keep the, the current trajectory of services offered out there. I, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot with that. I didn't have that in our, you know, pre-questions, but is there, can you offer some insight on what you guys found as far as that services being offered and, or what kind of decisions we could make with this data that we have to, to be able to flip that? Sure. I, I think what our research has suggested is that people are really desperate for the church to help them in very practical ways. Um, I think people are looking for the church to offer them hope. Um, that's, that's a word that we keep seeing pop up in our research and, and church and unchurched adults alike, they're looking for hope and mm. they're looking for answers and practical solutions um, in many ways. So I, I would say as a, maybe a practical piece of advice for, for a city like Columbus, who's looking to maybe bridge that gap or enhance their reputation a bit in the community is, is ask yourselves, um, I mean, firstly, are we doing a good job with developing people's faith? Of course, you know, of, of course, that's always this, this, the question we need to be asking ourselves, but go beyond that and ask, are we helping people practically? Are we helping people flourish in their finances? Are we helping people um, learn how to be healthy and whole humans with their mental and physical health? Are we helping them um, learn how to have healthy relationships, conflict resolution, marriages, parenting? I mean, really, are we using those front doors for engagement to show the community that we are a sanctuary and that we do care for, for people and want to see them thrive in, in their lives. Um, you know, if, if only 33% of the unchurched in Columbus admit that they have close friends who live near them, who know them well and support them, are we truly as the church being, um, are we offering ourselves up as a safe place where we are saying, I'm here to know you well, that's something I want. I want to know you well, the ins and outs of what you're going through in your life. And, and I want, I want to know the intricate details and I want to support you. 
Um, are we offering that truly to our community, knowing that they're lacking in that way? So I'm going to read a little bit between the lines here. And I think one of the statements that you made was, we, we're doing a lot of talking heads, but we're not doing conversations um, between. And so and those are my words, not yours. It's kind of a, par- a paraphrase, but that we can't just engage from a stage or a screen, but we've got to be one-on-one or one in small group environments in order to really dig into those things. Right. And we've got pastors yeah. now. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was going to agree with you, but also say, I mean, I, th- I think there are many churches that probably are doing that well, Oh yeah. but I think regardless of, of what types of programs you've offered for this whole life discipleship sort of idea, um, it's worth, it's worth evaluating once more and asking ourselves once more, if we're truly being effective. And one of the things, if we go back to, you know, just having data presented as the first time. I found it to be one of the most powerful reasons for change action behind it and developing unique and an opportunity to develop unique solutions to address those. We've got leaders are off the charts, um, anxious and stressful and don't feel like they can are, are doing well. And they're saying, we're just barely keeping afloat with the stuff that we're doing right now. Maybe this is a good time to say, hey, let's look at what's happening. Let's do a retreat and let's see if we can shift some of these resources that we usually spend on doing here over somewhere else, right? Yeah, that's that's right. I think especially as we emerge out of the COVID-19 pandemic, we we have a beautiful opportunity to reevaluate our programs. And if we want to start some new things or maybe bring some some other things to a close within our church programs or our systems, now's a great time to do that. People are very aware that a lot of change is happening. So um, they, they're they almost expecting that from their churches too right now. That's what our research suggests. So uh, now is a, a great time to make changes and to reevaluate your effectiveness. So I think leaders, we can get away with more right now than we could two years ago. You know, I've seen different multiple industries where because of COVID, they could make decisions that would never have been approved before uh, by the board, by their customers, by, by anyone. And, and then now they're just doing it um, and, and they're helping people more. I think this is a great opportunity. Savannah, I want to thank you so much for what you do at Barna. Um, you mentioned earlier Barna Access. So if people want to find out more about that, they can just Google that, right? That's right. Or they can just head to our website, Barna.com, um, and they'll, they'll find everything that they need to know about Barna Access there. I love it. Keep doing it. I hope that we uh, continue to have a partnership with you in the future. And leaders, go get your free toolkit and get your information, and we can start making better informed decisions, data-driven decisions. <laughs> thanks, yes, <Savannah>. absolutely. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, Adam. Thank you for the time. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Also, rating and reviewing us on iTunes helps get the word out.